Yes, the Chief Zone Podcast is back. Welcome back in. Hope you guys had a great 4th of July weekend. Hope your summer has been going well. Farzi Vesugian here with you back now on the Chief Zone Podcast. The last time we had a podcast, we talked about John Dorsey being fired. And now, fast forward to a couple weeks later, the Chiefs have hired a new general manager, Brett Beach. Now, the general manager... For the Kansas City Chiefs, we'll talk about that. What does that really mean? Does that make a major difference as far as the upcoming season goes? Or if it'll have more of an impact on the team for the upcoming offseason? So we'll talk about that hiring and some of the changes that we could expect to see moving forward. Not a lot going on in the world of the NFL. The Chiefs hiring their general manager and the GM search for the past couple of weeks that's honestly been the biggest story in the NFL the past couple of weeks if usually if you're being talked about in late June early July unless it's a contract extension or signing of some sort that's generally a bad thing so for the Chiefs uh, it's never been the most ideal situation but I guess it did have to happen and the Chiefs firing John Dorsey now have hired Brett Beach as the new general manager of the team. Farzee Vasugin here with you on the Chiefs on Podcast. Appreciate you guys, as always, downloading and listening to the podcast. You guys can interact with me in a couple of ways. One way is Facebook, facebook.com slash Give my page a like. You can also follow me on Twitter and send me a tweet at Farzeen21. And last but not least, certainly you can email me, Farzeen at Farzeenvasugian.com. And as always... Much appreciated if you guys can share the link of the podcast on social media. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You guys can listen on iTunes and Google Play and several other outlets where podcasts are available. All right, so the Kansas City Chiefs have a new general manager in Brett Veach. And uh, I mean, let's just go down the line here. Uh, I'll give you guys his bio, just his background, because... I know a lot of you guys are probably wondering, who is Brett Veach? Why is he a big deal? Why was he so highly praised? And uh, what did he do to deserve this gig with the Kansas City Chiefs? So let's just go down the line here. He was an intern with the Philadelphia Eagles in 2004, which Andy Reid was there, of course. Eventually was hired as an assistant coach in 2007, but kind of got away from the coaching side of things, and joined the front office of the Philadelphia Eagles and essentially just worked his way up, spent six seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles, and then when Andy Reid came to Kansas City, Brett Veach joined along as well. So he joined Andy Reid's staff in 2013, uh, originally as the pro and and college personal analyst, for a couple of seasons, and then in 2015, right before the season got underway, he was promoted to co-director of player personnel. And now, he finds himself as the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs. And look, we can go on about how this was a light move, and the Chiefs did have a big candidate that they could have hired, but he ended up moving on to Indianapolis. I mean, we can go on and on about that, but... At the end of the day, what's done is done. And by the way, it's worth noting, I saw this uh, mention on Arrowhead Pride that 
He at one point was catching passes from Matt Nagy, who's the QB and the uh, the QB coach and the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. But in college, they had played together from '97 to 2000 uh, for the Blue Hens of Delaware. So small world, small world, uh, especially in uh, in a sport like football. But uh, Matt Nagy and Brett Veach have a little bit of a history together, and of course. In Philadelphia, you know the story of Brett Veach going there and, of course, joining along with Andy Reid here in Kansas City. And a lot of people in the media, I mean, this, this was a guy who people had put down as the favorite to become the general manager. Uh, Matt Miller, who's a well-known scout and uh, has a lot of connections in the media with Bleacher Report and, of course, a friend of the podcast, he mentioned that Brett Veach could be next in line for Kansas City to become the general manager. Joe Banner also mentioned him as a favorable candidate, especially because of his history working with Andy Reid and Matt Nagy, a couple of the guys that he had been familiar with even before coming to Kansas City. So this seemed like the obvious guy for a lot of people. Now, I think a lot of people might be wondering what what makes him so different. We talked about this last podcast. I mean, how much credit does John Dorsey get for some of the players he brought in? Or what about some of the assistants behind him? The guys who are part of the front office, how much credit do they get for some of the players who've done so well? Who who ultimately gets credit for drafting Tyreek Hill? Yeah, sure, it's John Dorsey's name as a GM, but who really kept an eye on Tyreek Hill and said, hey, look, this guy does have some, some off-the-field issues, but he'd be worth it on our team. I mean, who exactly do you give that credit to? And that doesn't get talked about as often. CSN Philly had mentioned a few things about him, including the fact that Veach was given the duty to study the wide receivers for the 2008 NFL Draft, and that year the Eagles ended up drafting Deshaun Jackson in the second round, which, of course, as we all know, ended up being a very good pick for the Philadelphia Eagles. So, and it doesn't give all the credentials, all the things that he had a big hand in helping the Eagles or the Chiefs do, so... Uh, who knows? Maybe he did have a hand in getting a guy like Tyreek Hill. Maybe he had a had a big hand in trying to get the Chiefs to draft Kavari Russell, who didn't even last a half a season with the team. So you never know. I mean, a lot of times the negative things don't get brought up. I mean, if if it was Brett Veach's idea to draft Kavari Russell, surely that does not get brought up publicly. But if he had a hand in getting a guy like Deshaun Jackson for the Eagles, yeah, of course, that's one of the things that'll get brought up. Uh, a lot of times, every, everyone that's an assistant with the front office of a team, they'll get a little bit of credit. Everyone gets a little bit of credit for certain pro bowlers that get drafted, eventually becoming pro bowlers. So here's the thing. Look, I'm not going to pretend like I know if this is going to be a great move or not for the Kansas City Chiefs because we truly don't know exactly who did what and who ha- who had the most responsibility in helping a team draft certain players late that ended up being gems or if they had a hand in drafting a guy early that has taken forever to pan out like an Eric Fisher, like D Ford. So it's, it's tough for me. And look, I just... Got done doing an episode of the Cage Zone podcast, and for those who are MMA fans, you guys know the drama that took place with UFC 213 and Amanda Nunes not 
participating, but there are two different stories as to why she didn't, and I'm very, I was very cautious of that. So something that I've learned over the years doing media is you've got to be very careful in discussing things that you may not know much about. And look, look, truly, I don't care who you are in the media, unless you are employed by that same front office, people truly do not know the ins and outs, the machinations as to who's who is the better assistant. Now, sure, I mean, there are, you hear other scouts anonymously tell the media certain things, and so the media will publish it on Twitter or in an article and whatnot, but at the end of the day, I do trust Kansas City's decision in hiring Brett Feach as the GM simply because of his past that he's had with Kansas City, and more specifically, Andy Reid. We know this is a, a football team that operates with Andy Reid as a guy who handles uh, football operations. So uh, this is, of course, a move where you feel pretty good about because of the history that Andy Reid and Brett Veach have, going back all the way with Philadelphia and being an assistant and then quickly uh, going into the Eagles' front office. And now he finds himself in Kansas City's front office. I mean, I put this out there on social media. I, mean, I said on Facebook that, look, the Chiefs, I made it official. He's now the general manager. And there weren't a lot of exciting responses to that. So I guess, it, it, again, it begs the question, how much of a hand do these guys have? More importantly, moving on from that topic, how much is that going to affect the Chiefs in 2017? And I don't think it will uh, one bit. Trust me, I don't think... The Chiefs had, first of all, the firing of John Dorsey came after OTAs, after mandatory minicamp. So, in between all this time with mandatory minicamp and training camp, the Chiefs said, let go of the general manager and have hired someone else. Now, don't get me wrong, I still think at the end of the day, once training camp gets underway, once these coaches and players become available to the media, it's going to be brought up. Uh, This is a topic that's not going to go away anytime soon. Uh, And because of the unavailability due to the downtime, due to this uh, quiet period we have in the NFL between OTAs and mandatory minicamp and uh, training camp, uh, NFL teams uh, don't generally meet with the media during a time like this. So the Chiefs are going to, uh, of course, they have to make their people available in training camp. And at that point, the media is going to be asking a lot of questions. I don't think the Chiefs have announced any sort of press conference for Brett Veach. Maybe they'll save it for training camp. Maybe they do something this week. Uh, maybe by the time this podcast comes out, maybe there's going to be something that's announced. But nonetheless, uh, I think it's the right move. Uh, you simply have to go with the fact. What we do know is that Brett Veach and Andy Reid do have a history, a positive history with K- uh, Philadelphia and, of course, now here in Kansas City. Let me know your guys' thoughts on this. I'd love to know what you guys think about this. Again, I haven't seen a whole lot of buzz from fans on social media on this. On Facebook, I mentioned the the news. We just have a few likes on it. No one's really cared to comment on the situation. But let me know your guys' thoughts. I'm always wondering to know what you guys think. This podcast is an interactive podcast, so I definitely want to get you guys part of the discussion. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugi and Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Pardon me. Tweet me at Farzine21. Something I didn't really get a chance to discuss since uh, I had been away uh, to do the podcast for a couple of weeks. 
there have been a lot of stories that have come out about John Dorsey and why he was let go. Some people talked about the relationship wasn't very strong. He had done things without telling other people why. Uh, if he if there was something he wanted to do, he simply did it without anyone else's input, and that caused a lot of friction within uh, people in the Chiefs front office. Look, let's not forget, Scott Pioli was a guy who was here in Kansas City, and when he was hired, everyone thought that this was a slam dunk win for the Chiefs in terms of having a general manager. We all know how that ended out. This was John Dorsey's first true crack at being a general manager. He had spent pretty much his entire pro life, his professional career, his football career, with the Green Bay Packers. So when he comes to Kansas City, a new territory, working with people that he doesn't have the greatest familiarity with, it's going to be a work in progress, and it didn't end up panning out the way that, of course, everyone would have wished it, it, it could have gone. At the end of the day, look at Scott Pioli, who's now an assistant with Atlanta, doing a lot of great things. I think he's going to go back to Green Bay. That's, of course, the speculation. That's the popular opinion that he'll go back to Green Bay, maybe be an assistant, maybe have a better role than he did the last time he was with the Packers, and see where things go from there. I think for the Chiefs right now, I guess my expectation from Brett Veach, something that I'll keep a close eye on, and maybe we don't see anything about this soon, maybe after the 2017 season, how are we going to handle contracts and how much players get paid? Because there was talk about how John Dorsey was let go because of the situations with Justin Houston and Eric Berry. Those are players who could have been signed a lot sooner, and because they weren't, it ended up costing the Chiefs a lot more money down the road. So how does Brett Veach handle these guys? Let's say let's say Marcus Peters has 10 interceptions this year. Leads the league by a wide margin. Has a dominant season. Lockdown corner, number one in the NFL. So obviously at that point, he would be entering the final year of his rookie contract and could be eligible to earn a new deal. So how would Brett Veach handle that kind of thing? I think that is where the true task of Brett Veach could come in. I think Marcus Peters is the legitimate guy. Uh, I I think realistically, he could have a a big season and that's when Brett Veach would have to step in and at that point his, his skills as a general manager will be tested. How will he do in that situation? And how much money would you throw at a guy like Marcus Peters? There, There's already a lot of money being thrown at Justin Houston and Eric Berry for the next couple of years. And that can hurt the Chiefs from a cap standpoint. Uh, Eric Fisher, of course, has a hefty contract for the next couple of years. Travis Kelsey, more of a friendlier deal for sure. Uh, but keep in mind, I mean, there are two quarterbacks being paid for Kansas City. You moved up 13 slots to get Pat Mahomes and... A guy who is not expected to play in many people's eyes in his first year. Some people in the media are even saying two years, which I would not be a big fan of. So to me, I think it's important to see how Brett Feach handles these kinds of things. Is he going to, and not that this situation would come anytime soon, hopefully not. If it does, that'd be a bad thing, but... Maybe 10 years down the road, if the Chiefs are in a situation where they would draft another quarterback, would you have two quarterbacks that are making more than a million dollars? I think there was a lot of money wasted 
by the Chiefs under John Dorsey as a general manager. So it'll be interesting to see how Veach does with cap management. That's going to be my biggest thing with Brett Veach, something that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on when he starts making moves in Kansas City. And again, it's going to be hard to do at this point in his career early on as a GM. It's You don't see GMs get hired in July. Uh, so it's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on during the season if he does extend the contract of a player during the season or after a season when maybe Marcus Peters has a huge season statistically. The best season he'll ever have statistically, if that's the case. Uh, and see how Brett Veach handles that from there. Alright, this is going to be a short podcast today. Not a whole lot. I'm not going to do the uh, segments that we do at the end of every show. That'll be back for next week's podcast. But uh, I do want to talk about the the personnel for a moment. Because I think, and I've been reading some uh, previews. Which, of course, are some of the biggest things that the media puts out. You see it in magazines, on newspapers, on sports websites. Uh, any NFL content you see now is mostly driven by previews and predictions. And a lot of people are predicting that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to finish second in the AFC West with a double-digit win record. And I think those are fair expectations. Uh, I, I really do think so. I know a lot of Chiefs fans might feel offended by that prediction because the Chiefs are the reigning AFC West champs. But listen... Let's keep one thing in mind. Even though the Chiefs swept the AFC West, it took an injury to Derek Carr to help the Chiefs essentially win the division. Yeah, sure, sweeping the Raiders and everyone else in the division, that that was a, that played a big hand too. But if Derek Carr doesn't get injured in Week 16, we're we're probably the Chiefs are probably playing on Wild Card Weekend. So the fact that the Raiders had that injury bug take place and even with their backup quarterback that helped the Chiefs win the AFC West and the Broncos easily defeated the Raiders in week 17 so when you look at the upcoming season and what's really expected from the Chiefs listen I think the Raiders are going to be a much better football team this year and that's crazy to say because they had a remarkable season a 12-win season finally went to the playoffs for the first time in forever and listen I'll say this too I'm glad that the Raiders are better because, as a, as a Chiefs fan, when you see the Chiefs now being better and more dominant than they've been for a long time, you have two teams in your division that each won 12 games. One of them barely edged out the other to win the AFC West. There's a meaningful rivalry now in this old-school, long-time rivalry between the Chiefs and the Raiders. For the longest time, almost the past 10 years, these two teams, they've had a rivalry, but it's been a lackluster rivalry. Nothing really to be excited about. Yeah, sure, on game day, you get a little pumped up because it's a Chiefs and Raiders game. But now, the magnitude goes up by a 100 times more because there's something meaningful in this rivalry now. I mean, you the Chiefs had to beat those two, the, the Raiders in those two games in order to win the division. And now... Given Kansas City's offseason not a strong one, and the Raiders being able to add a little bit more, especially with Marshawn Lynch now being in there in the backfield, the Raiders are heavy favorites to win the AFC West, and the Chiefs are expected to go into the playoffs as a wild card. And again, I don't think that's anything far-fetched. I think, again, those are reasonable things to certainly predict 
in the AFC West and more specifically for the Chiefs. Obviously, there have been some crazy instances with the offense in which Jamal Charles was let go, which a lot of people expected. But looking at your wide receivers, I I posed a question on Facebook last week. I said, who do you think are going to be your top two receivers? And just about everyone said Chris Conley and Tyreek Hill. Now, I'm going to try to pull it up on the Facebook page right now because I don't have it in front of me. But somebody did comment on there and made an interesting point, something that Something that I haven't necessarily gone in depth with when we discussed the firing of John Dorsey. But when I asked you guys who you think will be the two the top two starting wide receivers for the Chiefs going into the season opener, one of you guys mentioned that this is why. John Dorsey was fired. It was Michael on Facebook who mentioned this. Michael said, considering these are our options, I'm starting to better understand why Dorsey was not extended. When you look at the talent on this team, and listen, John Dorsey does deserve credit for some of the players he's brought in. Let's not, I mean, it's not like he was completely horrible to begin with. I think cap management was a big flaw of his to the point where the Chiefs felt like they had to make a change at at general manager. But when you look at the way this offense operates... Yeah, sure, it'd be nice to have a speedy wide receiver like a like a Jeremy Macklin, who's no longer on the team. You do have guys like Albert Wilson, Tyreek Hill, Chris Conley, uh, D'Anthony Thomas, too. Uh, let's not forget how much how patient the Chiefs have been with him. But there are a lot of guys on this team that, that are very fast. I mean, this is how the West Coast offense operates. But I will say this, with Chris Conley... I know he's a combine warrior, and this is something that people have brought up about how he was really the best wide receiver in terms of workouts in 2015 among all the players from the 2015 draft class, but a great workout doesn't always translate into success on the gridiron. And because of those high standards, and I know that third round has always been a magical round for the Chiefs historically, I think Chris Conley's on the hot seat this year. It's really make or break for him. If he doesn't pull through and put up big numbers, especially now considering that Jeremy Macklin's let go, even though to some that may have been a bad move, some may have thought it was a a smart move, this opens up a door for Chris Conley. You're going to play a lot more. You're going to be targeted a lot more. So this is an opportunity for him to prove that, hey, look, not only were my combine results meaningful, but I should have been drafted a lot sooner. Coming out of Georgia, played with Aaron Murray a little bit. This is a guy who has a lot of experience playing against some very good pro football players or, or guys who ended up becoming pro football players. So you know Tyreek Hill is going to be one of the starters for sure. But going into that season opener against New England, which I'm very excited about, definitely looking forward to it just around the corner, football season. But Chris Conley, I, I think, is going to be your other guy. But... I can't say I'd be too shocked if he wasn't the guy either. He hasn't necessarily lived up to the expectations and it's taken him a while to develop as a receiver. And again, he he's he's guided by Andy Reid, a guy who's developed so many players and has helped, helped them have some of the best seasons they've ever had in their careers. So I think there's a question of 
what's taking Chris Conley so long? And now with Jeremy Macklin no longer on the team, here's an opportunity for him to shine and try to excel for this offense, help this offense move forward, especially in the passing department. You've got Travis Kelsey, who is arguably a top three tight end with Rob Gronkowski and Greg Olson. Demetrius Harris got into some trouble earlier this offseason, so we'll see his fate as to how many games he'll be out for if that could come next year. Given the NFL, it does take forever for them to come to terms on these kinds of things. Don't forget the Sean Smith incident. It took them more than a year to decide that he deserved a three-game suspension. Your running backs, not the most exciting group of guys. Spencer Ware and Charkandrick West certainly were a great tandem in 2015, but in 2016, certainly a much more different story. Spencer Ware, a better uh, receiver as a running back, but not by a wide margin. I mean, this is still a tandem that was fairly quiet and disappointing compared to how they did the previous year. Kareem Hunt, of course, drafted this year. That's a player that a lot of people don't want to keep their eye on. C.J. Spiller, a lot of Chiefs fans remember him from, I believe, 2012 when he just ran all over Kansas City in that Week 2 game. So a lot of Chiefs fans definitely remember him and his speed certainly remembered. Kind of wonder if he'll have an impact on the team, if he'll be able to make it through training camp and and have a a spot on this 53-man roster. And don't forget about Gavin Escobar, who, not the most exciting name to talk about, but is known as one of the key additions for the Chiefs coming from the Dallas Cowboys and one of the tight ends on this team. You have Ross Travis as well. The Chiefs uh, got Emmanuel Bird, one of the undrafted free agents, brought along on the team. Offensive lineman, uh, I'm pretty. I'd, I'd say I'm pretty content with who the Chiefs have. Eric Fisher has improved uh, the past couple of years. Uh, Parker Anniger, a guy who you still don't know a lot about, suffered an injury, a season-ending injury. Mitch Morse had a phenomenal start in 2015 as a rookie. Took a step back in 2016. So 2017 is going to be an interesting year for the former Missouri Tiger, and it'll be interesting to see how he does if he can improve. After taking a step back in 2016, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, I think an underrated offensive guard in the NFL, got the contract extension by the Chiefs earlier this offseason. One of the last moves John Dorsey did, uh, in addition to also re-signing Eric Berry. And of course, Mitchell Schwartz, don't forget him, he's one of the better right tackles in the NFL. One of the better offensive tackles, actually. And John Reed's worth mentioning as well. This is a guy who has gotten a lot of playing time filling in for Eric Fisher or Schwartz at times. So, Jari had also a part of this offensive lineman as well, a key part of it. Overall, I'm pretty content with the passing game. I think it could go well when you have Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, and even if those guys can be used as decoys, which the Chiefs did early on in that playoff game against the Steelers when Albert Wilson was wide open for a touchdown. So, I think Tyree Kill can still be a, a very explosive player, but also be a decoy and drag half a defense with him when that could open up a door for someone else to catch a pass. Or maybe even allow Alex Smith or Pat Mahomes, if he does get an opportunity, to just gash through a defense and run on their own. Defensively, I've got to tell you, I mean, I can't find a hole on this defense. 
Defensive line, okay, maybe the weakest spot, but still a, a very solid group. Chris Jones, who definitely proved that he should have been a first-round draft pick. Benny Logan, one of the better, probably the best addition the Chiefs have had this offseason up front, replacing Dontari Poe. Then you have Rakeem Nunes Roaches, who had some highlights, had some flashes, not very consistent, but that's also because he didn't play a whole lot, was behind a couple of guys. So that is definitely something that, that you want to keep an eye on. Jay Howard was let go, so that definitely opens up the door for someone else. How does Alan Bailey do coming back from an injury? This Alan Bailey was a guy who definitely made an impact up front on that defensive line, and it's been a while since we've seen his name brought up while playing. And don't forget about the second-round draft pick for the Chiefs, Tano Passigno, who I think with his size... I think he'll definitely have a big hand. And keep in mind, he's going to be wearing number 92. That that could change. We generally see these preseason numbers change once the regular season's underway. But he's he's wearing 92, Dontari Poe's number. So hopefully he can bring flashes of the previous 92, Dontari Poe, and the presence that he had up front on the defensive line. Linebackers, I don't know if you can find me a better group of linebackers in the NFL. You've got Justin Houston, who hopefully will be better prepared this season, uh, not dealing with a nagging knee injury of any kind, and should be should do better from the get-go all the way through the end of the season if he can stay healthy. I know that's been a big issue with him, but if he can't stay healthy, then hey, look, that contract you gave him is definitely going to be worth it. Same thing goes with Derek Johnson, suffering another Achilles injury. This time it was late in the season, so his progress is kind of a question mark right there, but nonetheless, still one of the better inside linebackers in the league. I thought Ray McWilson certainly had some flashes when he filled in for Josh Maga, who suffered a season-ending injury early, and that allowed him to get a lot of playing time. DJ Alexander certainly had his name known on defense and a little bit on special teams as well. One of the question marks I have is the linebacker, outside linebacker position opposite of Justin Houston, Tamba Holly, and D Ford. D Ford was great, got 11 sacks early on in the first half of the season, but in the second half, very quiet season from D Ford. I think D Ford proved why he, the Chiefs drafted him in 2014. He had a big game in 2015 against the San Diego Chargers. Now it was a backup tackle in Chris Hairston, but no one else on the Chiefs was was stepping up at the time defensively in terms of pressure. So D Ford was able to make a, make some strides for the Chiefs in. He had a big hand in helping the Chiefs win that game. It was a narrow game. It was a 10-3 win. So had it not been for D. Ford, the Chiefs probably lose that game and don't have that big winning streak going into the playoffs that year. Tom Bahali, still a very good outside linebacker, but I think you're seeing him decline a very quiet 2016 season from Tom Bahali. So I think Tom Bahali could still be the starter on the team, but he's going to be rotating a lot with D. Ford in this, in this defense. And I think Daddy Nicholas is a guy. Had a very good preseason in 2016. Now we all know the preseason. How much of that transfers over to the regular season. You don't always see it as the case. But if he can continue to prove himself in training camp. And in preseason games. He'll still earn his spot on the roster. But you'd like to see him also uh, come in and do his thing. When he rotates in with Justin Houston or Tom Bahali. And of course the secondary... Uh, look, Eric Berry and Marcus Peters, there isn't a better 
cornerback safety duo in the NFL than Peter Zaberry. There just isn't. Rod Parker, very underrated safety. Uh, I think you're learning why he was given a contract extension a couple of years ago. It was a five-year, $25 million deal. Daniel Sorensen, he's also been part of the team. I was not impressed with his preseason performance in 2014. I was stunned that he made the team. But given how he's done in the regular season over the past couple of years, I've been very impressed with Daniel Sorensen. I like what he's been able to do filling in at times for the Chiefs. And Eric Murray, also a guy. And as far as cornerbacks go, kind of wide open right now, opposite of Marcus Peters. You have Philip Gaines, who has been here for a couple of years now. Steven Nelson, also drafted in the third round. Uh, Kenneth Acker, a guy who was traded uh, from the 49ers coming into Kansas City. So I think that's going to be something that you'll, you'll need to keep an eye on as well. But Terrence Mitchell, don't forget him. He joined the team late. During the 2016 season, and he had a big hand in that Raiders win on Thursday Night Football when the Chiefs only scored in the second quarter, didn't score at all in the second half, and committed three turnovers when the Raiders protected the football perfectly from start to finish. But Terrence Mitchell came through strong late in the game to prevent the Raiders from being able to score late and trying to take the lead against the Chiefs to steal a win at Arrowhead. So I really like the secondary as well. A lot of great guys and... I think in a pass-heavy league that we're, we, we've been in for a few years now, you can never have enough good defensive backs. I think you've got defensive backs who can come in and, and also do a good job of defending slot receivers. Something that Steven Nelson did a great job of. And, and, and Nelson, I thought he had a really great game last year when the Chiefs were playing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going up against Mike Evans, who's, I think, a top-five receiver for sure. And he knocked out a, a touchdown that... Mike Evans had in his hand on the first drive uh, that the Bucks had against the Chiefs. And if he doesn't do that, the Chiefs don't even have an opportunity to at least try to get something going on the last play. Instead of losing by two points, you probably would have lost by two possessions to the Bucks in that game. And special teams, Dustin Colquitt, still one of the better punters in the NFL Cairo Santos had one of the best seasons uh, a kicker's had for the Chiefs in a long time. Suckup did have some flashes, but I think Santos definitely has improved. I know he got off to a horrible start his rookie season in 2014, but has come a long way since then. Uh, James Winchester, your long snapper. And of course, uh, nothing but good things to say about Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill had a couple of special teams touchdowns early on. He had one against the Houston Texans and one against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Both were called back due to penalties. He was just more consistent and more dominant later on because that's just when he came alive and started going wild on defenses and special teams defenses. Now that he's had a full year under his belt, the standard's going to be a lot higher from Tyreek Hill for a full season now. You're, you're going to expect to see him dominate on special teams and on offense. I'm not saying he has to have those home run touchdowns, on special teams, but on offense, I think that will be more expected. I think it's reasonable to expect them to have three to four touchdowns on special teams and about seven to eight touchdowns on offense. He'll still he'll still probably even fill in as a running back at times as well. I know I mentioned Spencer Ware and Chark Hendrick West and as uh, Kareem Hunt as well, plus C.J. Spiller. But that doesn't mean you're not going to see Tyreek Hill take some snaps as a running back. I mean, the Chiefs did some things with him where he was in the backfield, got some handoffs or tosses, and he he was able to run away with uh, w- with some big gains, big touchdown runs. 
So I think that's going to be an interesting thing to see. I think what the Chiefs wanted from Dexter McCluster and DeAnthony Thomas. Now, DeAnthony Thomas still has a chance because he's still on the team. But the expectation from McCluster, even though he, he did better on special teams later on, what you wanted from Dexter McCluster is exactly what Tyreek Hill is doing right now on this offense. That's kind of the role that Darren Sproles has had with the Chargers and, and, and the Saints. I think you've got a lot of top talent on this offense. If we go down the line, I think you've got one of the better fullbacks in Anthony Sherman, who we did not talk much about on this breakdown. Travis Kelsey, a top five tight end. I think Laurent Duvernay-Tardif is a top five right guard, as is Mitchell Schwartz at right tackle. Tyreek Hill, I wouldn't say he's a top five wide receiver, but certainly a top five offensive weapon. Defensively speaking, Chris Jones, easily top five right defensive end. Justin Houston, easily number one if he's healthy. Derek Johnson, the top five inside linebacker. D. Ford and Tom Bahali, I guess when you combine the two, I know that that's cheating in a way. But I do think you're going to see those guys split a lot of playing time this year. And I think those two together, it'll pretty much make up for having a really good Right outside linebacker. Marcus Peters, uh, easily top five, no question about it. Same goes for Eric Berry. I think Ron Parker is the top five free safety as well. He's just not one of the more discussed guys. He doesn't get a lot of interceptions, but uh, he was tied for first in the NFL at one point last year in pass deflections. And I know a lot of people have different statistics and how they keep track of all that, but there was one outlet that did say that he was leading the NFL in pass deflections. Steven Nelson... I would say easily a top five nickel cornerback. And then, of course, Tyreek Hill, uh, for sure a top five return man, easily. I mean, I, I'd even say number one. The Chiefs were number one in punt return average last year. Cairo Santos and Dustin Colquitt were both Pro Bowl alternates. They did not play in the Pro Bowl, but I think that just goes to show how highly valued they are. So I think they're also top five players at their positions, and I think those positions are, are, are still very important in the NFL. So you have lots of top five talent across the board. A little bit on offense, a lot on defense, and on special teams. You know what you're going to get on defense and special teams. The question mark is going to be with the offense, and I think it starts with Alex Smith. And I know you can't go perfect from start to finish, but the mistakes that you saw Alex Smith make in that Tampa Bay loss when he telegraphed a pass in the end zone, which you never see Alex Smith do. In that Tennessee game, where on that out route, on that final offensive play the Chiefs had before Suckup and the Titans got a chance to take over and kick that game-winning field goal, all you had to do was run for that first down, and the Chiefs were unable to do that on that third down, so they gave the Titans a chance to get the football, go for a drive, and kick a field goal. If Alex Smith minimizes those mistakes, the Chiefs are probably a 14-2 football team. And I think if... What would it take for Mahomes to come in? Listen, I said it on the Facebook page earlier this week. I'm just not a fan of trading up 13 spots for a guy to sit out a year, maybe two years. I'm just not. I just... I can't comprehend that. I really can't. And then people talk about how he may not be ready. Do you think Marcus Mariota... 
and Jameis Winston were ready. I know those were the number one and number two picks a couple of years ago. But look at Dak Prescott. Do you think he was ready to take over for the Cowboys last year? He was a fourth round draft pick. He filled in because Tony Romo got hurt in a preseason game. And I'd like to think he did just fine for the Cowboys last year. I know, the postseason, not the way they wanted it to go, but still, they got further than a lot of people thought they would, especially comparing to the previous year the Cowboys had. If Alex Smith shows even the slightest bit of struggles this year, I think you've got to make that move. You drafted Mahomes for a reason, and you've got to let him go out there and get some reps. Especially with this defense, you know, Tom Mahali and Derek Johnson are close to retirement, and those are going to be very hard spots to to have filled in. This offense needs to be on its A game because this is a Super Bowl caliber defense and a Super Bowl caliber special teams unit. You can't say that about the offense. If they do make that quarterback switch, look, I'm not entertaining the idea the Chiefs could win a Super Bowl with Mahomes because a rookie quarterback has never done it. It could happen. I just don't anticipate that happening in this case with the Chiefs. If I have to give you my ultimate prediction right now, I think the Chiefs make the playoffs, but I think they're going to be a wildcard team and they're going to bounce in the first round. I think that offense, as good as they have been at times, you just haven't seen that offense necessarily come through. The offense has been able to shine against some good defenses at times. Let's not forget about that either. But, more times than not, you see the defense having to really carry this offense and this team. And you saw that in a couple of games last year. The second half of that Atlanta game. The comeback win against the Carolina Panthers. There was a lot of defensive activity that allowed the Chiefs to win that game. The game against the Raiders. No, There was not a defensive touchdown. There was a special teams touchdown. But that defense, if they did not come through the way they did in keeping the Raiders away from the end zone, the Raiders probably would have came back and have won that game. So that, off, that offense, to me, is the big question mark. What kind of offense are we going to get? And look, it's Alex Smith who's going to be the starter. All right. I, I, I understand that. He's, he'll be the starter to start off the season. But what kind of a quarterback play are we going to get from him? And can he deliver for the Chiefs in, in some situations? I think that's going to be the biggest. That's my biggest question mark going into the to the 2017 season for the Chiefs. That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm Farzim Vasugi, and appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Glad to be back. By the way, we just had the 10 year anniversary of the Chiefs Zone Podcast, so nice way to celebrate new general manager in town, and hopefully, it'll translate into a lot of success for the Chiefs. Certainly something Chiefs fans deserve. Interact with me on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugian. Give it a like. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Also email me Farzine at Farzine Be sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. And as always, greatly appreciated if you guys can share the podcast on social media. Let a friend know about it. Tell them to listen. Longest running Chiefs podcast online. I'm Farzim Vasugian. Appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. I'll talk to you guys next week.